welcome to Sustain, the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source for the long haul. Who are we? Where do we come from? Where are we actually, we know where we came from because one of our guests helped organize the first open source Sustain conference. So that's very, very exciting. I've never skipped the third question before. I can't wait to introduce our guest. Before we do that, I want to make sure you, oh, listeners, know who else is talking on this podcast. So I am Richard Litauer. Lovely to be here today, calling from Abenaki Land slash Vermont. Eric, how are you doing today? Eric Berry in Utah. I can honestly say this is the most excited I've been of any podcast we've done. So I'm really excited. Wow. No pressure, but I'm really pressure. excited. And I'm doing Justin fantastic, full coffee, ready to go. <laughs> yes, you are, my friend. Yes, you are. Justin Dorfman, how are you feeling? I'm doing great. I'm really excited as well. It's going to be good. I promise. That is Justin's excited voice. It's yes. hard to tell, but somewhere in there, you can tell. All right. Our guest today is none other than the fabulous Chad Whitaker. Chad Whitaker is joining us from Pittsburgh. Chad, as some of you may have known, Sustain originally started out as a conference back when we used to meet in person before the zombies took over the world. It was really great to do that in San Francisco in the first year of the Sustain conference. And Chad was one of the organizers. We are just so excited to have him on today, as you can probably tell, at least from Eric's intro. He is currently joining us in his capacity as an open source engineer at Century. He's been doing a lot of stuff besides that. He's an engineer there on the open source team. They have a whole team. Century is, of course, a performance and error monitoring company that was started in 2008 as a 70-line Django plugin, which is amazing. And it's now a proper startup unicorn. I don't know what a proper unicorn is because they're all kind of made up, but, you know, a proper one with the horn and silky things and rainbows. Chad's job is to help Century's engineers and users collaborate to make Century even better than it already is. And he, of course, helped fund the first Sustain. He's also the founder of Gratipay, also known as GitTip, which was one of the mm -hmm. earliest let's fund all the open source people forever. Very excited to talk about that a tiny bit today. But before I keep talking, I just want to make sure, Chad, great to have you. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be with you guys. See you again. Catch up. Yeah. How am I doing? I'm blushing over here from this intro. I'm excited to talk about, yeah, sustain, get to gratify, but mostly here, yeah, to talk about Sentry and talk about kind of what we're doing to fund the open source projects that we depend on at Sentry. Can't wait to hear about that. Just so our listeners have more context. How did you first get involved with the idea of funding open source? Not how you first became a developer, but how did you first realize, okay, this is a problem. What can we do about it? Gosh, with funding open source. Well, I almost had the date at the tip of my tongue. It was in May of 2012. And I was sitting in a coffee shop in Salem, Ohio. Shout out to Salem, Ohio. Friends Roastery. And I was there with a friend of mine. We were working together. And I was thinking, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could just work on our open source projects all day, every day. That's what I was thinking. Because I had some open source projects I was doing on the side and then had the quote unquote day job, had a gig with a company called YouGov and was thinking, wouldn't it be great if we could work on open source full time? And a light bulb went off and gittip.com or org was purchased that afternoon. And three weeks later, we launched this crowdfunding site for open source projects. So that was sort of, I guess it was a, a light bulb moment and a quick, let's jump in and try this. Can you tell us what GitTip did again? 
Yeah, GitTip was a crowdfunding platform for open source projects. It's been since superseded. It ran from 2012 to 2017. It's since been superseded by um, the likes of Patreon and Open Collective and GitHub sponsors and things like that. A lot of folks carrying the torch forward. LiberaPay too. I got to give a shout out to LiberaPay, which right. is actually a fork. It took our code base and kind of our business model and and forked it and kept going. So there you go. But the innovation of GitTip was a leaderboard on the front page. And that's how I got involved wow. because my bosses at the time, Chris oh, Ewan right. and David Hensel, I just went to them like, give me a credit card because we're <laughs> going to be on the front page every single day. And we did it. I remember we were having like a competition with Andy yet. Yeah, who yeah, could yeah. be the first, like oh my first gosh, spot. Yeah. So like, well, cause we had both sides, right? We had the companies giving people giving and the other side people receiving. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was just like, I was like, can we go up to a thousand a week? <laughs> and they're like, just go, man. I'm like, all yeah. right, cool. So oh yeah. What is this company? Yeah. Max CDN, wasn't it? Yeah. Max CDN. Get the name out there. Yeah. GitTip later became Gratipay. We don't have to talk about that. I know that's a whole other story. Gratipay eventually closed down. I think it was just a tough business model. It was hard to do, but it was a really interesting beta, right? Like Open Collective wouldn't be where it was today if Gratipay and GitHub didn't exist. Yeah. Neither would any of sustain. Like it was incredibly important. Was, I don't want to yeah. focus on that. So go ahead. No, agreed. Yeah. It was a wild ride. Learned a ton. Yeah. 2017 is when Gratipay wound down at the end of 2017. And like I say, passed the torch onto some others. But yeah, 2017 then was this crucial year because that was the first year that we did sustain. So we got to know Pia and everybody else at Open Collective, collaborated on that first sustain conference. Yeah. So you know, connecting the dots there. Which was super fun. It was great to have you there. I remember just being overwhelmed with the amount of people in the room at that sustained conference. I Which mean, was a GitHub, right? Which was, remember? It was, it was at GitHub. Yep. Yeah. GitHub headquarters, the first time I'd been there. On that's when that first floor, the big, yeah, exactly. Nadia was there and Brandon keepers. Yeah. And they brought us in for the sustained conference. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good time. It's good crew. Well, we had like, it was like a hundred people, maybe 120. Something like that. Yeah. Big yeah, circle. Right. We all sat in a big 100. circle. Yeah. It was amazing. That's no, been how it's been every year. Yeah. Cool. I have such a deep admiration and respect for not only what you've done, but for the decision that you made to shut it down. When I heard about that, I didn't quite understand the magnitude of that decision because I was right at the beginning of Code Fund. Right. And right. four years later, as we found that this is probably not a viable model, mm-hmm. I started thinking more about you and your experience. I don't want to pull out a lot of stuff that maybe you don't mm-hmm. want to revisit, but I'd like to know, like, what was it like when you shut the doors and finally said, I'm done? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. We're, so I am here to talk about Sentry. I just want to throw that out. We'll right, that's, that's why I want to talk about this first so yeah. it can get out of my mind. Because if not, I'm just sure uh, it, it, it sucked. It was really tough. I had a breakdown October of 2017. I hit a wall. I had a breakdown because it was like two years of get tip grab pay going well. And then two years when it was just like two, three years was really tough. You can look at the chart and it's like it was just deadline for two years. And man, I was slogging it out, trying to figure out how do we get this thing back on track? How do we get this going again? Probably held on longer than I should have, like in hindsight, but yeah, just like really hit a wall with the family and work-life balance. So let me, let me put it this way. So there is an end of Gratipay post that's out there. I went back and revisited it recently, just like kind of gearing up for this and going through some other stuff. And it says what I want to say. So if you're interested, go read that end of Gratipay post. It tells the story kind of succinctly that I would say about 
grad thing. I want to thank you for being vulnerable. Just on behalf of everyone else here, I've burned out and had breakdowns in open source, and I know the other two have as well, even if they won't admit it. So that's very normal for open source, which is sad, which is why it's really cool that you have somehow relit the torch and are moving forward with Sentry. So I want to talk about how you got How long have you been at Sentry now? I've been at Sentry almost a year. Yeah, a year and a few weeks. Um, Oh, I thought you just joined. No, man, I've been there a year. Cool. Yeah. So I shut down Gratipay at the end of 2017, had a couple gigs in between there most recently. So I spent two years at an enterprise security company called Proofpoint. You know, they're based in Sunnyvale. They have a Pittsburgh office. I was here uh, yeah, in the Pittsburgh office and worked there for two years as an engineering manager, learned a ton, met a bunch of great people. But then, yeah, this opportunity with Century came up. I just happened to see it go by that they were hiring this role, this open source engineering role. And yeah, submitted a pull request and the the rest is history. So open source engineering isn't a job that you normally see. I mean, there are jobs out there now, but just for our listeners who are curious, what does that look like? What do you end up doing on a day-to-day basis? Right. So the team is small. It's me and and one other guy. The two of us are the open source team. The Sentry itself is uh, not quite, I think we're like between 150 and 200 people right now. So we're growing. Century comes from the open source community. You know, like we said at the beginning of the show, it you know founded in 2008, started in 2008 as a little Django plugin sign project. Started to be commercialized in 2012, really started taking off in 2015. And here we are today, we have Series D and we're that worth billion dollars unicorn. So along the way, we're trying our best to stay true to our roots, to stay true to the open source community, to obviously the open source community is a huge part of our success. But it's a huge part of our company identity. We want Sentry to be an open source company. Sentry is an open source company. And so the role of our team is to make sure that stays true. As Sentry scales, we have a lot of engineers that come in that don't have an open source background. So a lot of what we do is help our engineering org interface with the outside world. Here's what it's like to work on GitHub in public. Here's how to interact with people that show up in GitHub on this PR that you're working on or that raise issues in GitHub. And we're maybe more used to working in, in private Slack channels. How do we then interface with those you know, because Century sells to developers, right? So it's natural for us to have developers showing up in our GitHub repos and want to talk to us. And we really see it as kind of the power of open source for us is enabling that conversation, you know? So it's not just that conversation directly with engineering. So it's not just, you know, contact customer support. We have a great customer support team, but a lot of times that can be, you know, there's an anti-pattern, which is like I contact customer support and unfortunately their hands are tied. They're like, well, you know, I'll let our product team know, but no promises. I'll let you know, you know, if this ever ends up on the roadmap, right? Like that's shutting the door in someone's face of like that. Unfortunately, we put customer support in that position. They have to do that. So what we're trying to do with open source at Century is open that door, or at least like invite people onto the front porch to say, let's have a conversation. You use Century, you're a developer. Let's not beat around the bush here. Like you probably looked at the Chrome dev tools to figure out what this bug is that you hit in Century. You know, like let's have that conversation with our engineering team and enable that. So then to get back to your original question about what the open source team does, me and one other guy. So there's half of it is kind of automation around GitHub and things like that. The engineering side of it is, yeah, like GitHub automations, making sure that we track, like, so one of the big projects this year has been tracking triage time, meaning somebody creates an issue in our GitHub issues, you know, does anybody ever answer that, right? Like that sort of thing. Like in our customer support, we have all these processes in place to track that, right? And they can say, yes, we answer every issue within, you know, every customer support request gets responded to within eight business hours. So we want that same level of service in our GitHub issue tracker. So it's that kind of, you know, 
automation and around enabling that. So think Slack notifications and stuff like that, integrations. So engineering around that, also some kind of release engineering. So we have what we call our self-hosted version of Sentry. So it's like, again, Sentry is as open source as we can make it. So when you go to Sentry.io and you're using our hosted Sentry offering, you can go to github.com slash get Sentry slash Sentry. Actually, that's the main repo, but it's slash on-premise is, is where you would go to download. The naming is a little confusing because the repo is on-premise. We call it self-hosted in the docs. But the point is you can download Sentry. You can run it yourself on-prem, on your own cloud, on your own hardware. And it's the same product. It's the same feature set that, that you're getting from the cloud products. So we're not open core. We're as open source as we can be there. See, I'm confused here. So at the end yeah. of 2019, David Kramer, who's the creator of Sentry, Correct. went on the change log and told Adam yeah, uh, Stachowiak and, yeah. that the they relicensed to the business source license. And right, my understanding right. that is not an OSI approved license. So how does that work? I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just trying yeah, yeah, to no. understand how that works. Yeah. So the BSL is like, I think of it like a time capsule. Okay. Because it's basically like a wrapper around an OSI approved license. In our case, that OSI approved license is the Apache 2.0 license. Very well understood. Very well. You know, it's like, it's one of the standard licenses, if not like one of the you know, top ones, maybe MIT is more popular. I don't know. What BSL says is after a certain period of time, our code reverts to this Apache license. After a certain period of time, it's available under this normal OSI Apache license. For us, the period of time we chose is three years. So if you go to GitHub slash GitCentury slash Century and you download uh, what's there, you get all the source code. And in three years, what you just downloaded, three years from the date you downloaded it, it's Apache 2.0. So BSL, I think of like as a time capsule or kind of a, a wrapper around an OSA license. And this was to combat those copycats that don't really give back to the original yeah. uh, project. Has that had an effect in? Oh yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it's risk mitigation. The risk is, yeah. Some other company that didn't do the work again, Century was founded in 2008. Like right. there's a lot, a lot of effort that's gone into building Century into the product it is today. And our goal is to build the best product that we can and get it in as many hands as we can. We love Sentry. We use Sentry. Sentry is awesome. We want to make it as awesome as we can. We want everybody to be able to use it. And the risk is that some other company, 15 years after we started the project, comes in, swoops in, and steals our lunch. One of the things I also compare this to is a lot of companies go this open core route where they say, okay, we have this community edition of our product that has like 50% of the features. And that's the open source part, but then you got to pay for the, the full feature set. And we very much did not want to go the open core route because we want everybody to have all of Sentry. All the people that are actually downloading and installing Sentry for themselves, we have no problem with it. Our BSL license says you can't take this and use it to run a competing SaaS service. You can't run a competing SaaS cloud hosted version of Sentry. Because like we built this thing and you didn't, you can't be a freeloader in that regard. But yeah, if you want to go get Sentry and run it yourself behind your, your firewall and your own cloud, that's what it's there for. That's what that on-premise self-hosted version is there for. But going back to this idea of open core and BSL, I think of it as time versus space is one way to think about it. Like open core is like you're limiting space. You're limiting the surface area, the product feature set surface area of what you're willing to share, what you're willing to make open source with people. And BSL is, is a time constraint. So like the whole thing's open and in three years, it's really open. It's officially, you know, OSI. Right now, 
in the terms of the recent code, I would say it would be source available. And then in three years, it is open source. I mean, that's just the definition because right now it's discriminating. But let me be very clear. When I heard David explain it, I said, there's some nuance there. It's like, there's nothing wrong with competitors, but if they're not giving back, if they're not submitting to the upstream, it's like, got to protect yourselves, I guess. And you're right. It's been around for 2008. So it's either close the doors or use the BSL. So I'm sympathetic to it. It's not black and white. It's just very nuanced. We had a really good uh, podcast with Toby Longell where you're talking about mm-hmm. uh, the graph of like what's open source and what isn't open source. This is not open source according to the OSI licensing. I don't think that really matters. It's open source according to the spirit of open source, which is let's and all- We also have 200 plus repos and six of yeah. them are BSL licensed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like we definitely have all these that like the responses project and this craft project, like we have other projects that are just like straight up open source license. This is very similar to patents as well. Like, it's just, I invented this. I want to keep it for a while. And then eventually it'll go. It's just not a 25 year, 50 year thing. I mean, it's way better than copyrights for say novels. The Tolkien estate is still getting money off of Tolkien. Mickey Mouse for a while. Yeah. I guess one of the questions I have is you talk a lot about contributing back and you talk about not being a freeloader and you have a BSL license on top of things, which some could view as being very restrictive. If I want to go all GPL, which I don't Mm -hmm. because whatever. You mentioned earlier that Century's a billion-dollar company. So here yeah. is a really tough question, which I'm just going to ask. What are you doing to give that money back to people? That doesn't sound like a tough question. I mean, that sounds like an easy question because I got an answer to it. So we're announcing this, right? Like this is linked in our blog post. So what we're announcing today on this podcast, together with this blog post that we're putting out, is kind of the next iteration of Century's financial support for open source. So I want to be clear, like we've always supported open source financially. We've been a longtime member of the Python Software Foundation, the Django Software Foundation, and have kind of contributed here and there to other projects as well. So one of the things bringing me on here to the open source team, we're able to focus on uh, this year is kind of taking a systematic approach and kind of looking across the board at, you know, sort of starting from first principle. It's like, in a sense, it's super fun because this is the flip side for me of working on GitTip Gratipay. Over there, trying to figure out like how do we help companies give money to open source? And now here inside Century, it's like, okay, Chad, here's a budget. Let's figure out how to spend this responsibly and wisely in the community. So that's what we've done. We just gave $150,000 roughly into the open source community. This is to approximately 100 different projects. So what we did is we looked at, again, tried to start from first principles and say, let's look at our architecture you know, we'll link in the show notes to Sentry's architecture diagram, which is on our public dev docs. And we just got a crew together and said, let's look at this and let's identify this is an open source component. This is a community funded open source component. ClickHouse, open source, funded by Yandex, filtered that out. You know what I mean? So like we tried to really be thoughtful about looking at, at these big picture components. And we came up with a list of eight. So we have this list of eight kind of ecosystems uh, within the open source, you know, kind of meta ecosystem that we would depend on to to ship Sentry. So that's Python, Django, JavaScript, Rust, Apache, Linux, Postgres, and then we included OSI as kind of an eighth foundation or kind of top level big rock. Bit cheeky, bit cheeky, including the, OSI. What? I don't know. What do you the mean? not being approved, oh. including OSI. Come on, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, give me a break. But this is what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> Well, what does our BSL revert to after three years, Richard? Pop quiz. Uh, I'm a, uh, Apache, know, right? Apache. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, mean, I, mean, I think that's part of the, the narrative that I want to shift is like, we're making the calls we have to make, but we're not like, 
anti-OSI. We're not anti-open source. Like this is the thing. It's like we use open source licenses. We're, we're trying to be as open as we can be. I mean, personally, I find I'm just annoyed you're not contributing to standard readme. So that, that's what real standard real readme. Like uh, I have like one open source project that has oh, stars, man. so it would be really nice. Oh man. Okay. Well, we don't, did. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So I guess kind of the, the broad brush strokes of this funding program that we put together, we looked at our architecture and we said, okay, here's eight kind of high level ecosystems that map to foundations. So we're going to take half of our budget and put that to these foundations. And then what we did is we did some dependency analysis kind of at the next level down. I wrote some really janky bash and Python and JavaScript scripts to do some dependency Nothing analysis. Wrong with bash. No, man. We'd love to hear about how you did that janky stuff because we've had other yeah. guests on the podcast who are really into dependencies and trying to right. figure out how do we fund the entire stack. I mean, not so, just Nichols Open Collective, but others. Right. Can you go forward and talk about what you did there? I tried to keep it simple by not looking at transitive dependencies because what we decided is we're just going to focus on that first level because like when one of our engineers puts a line item in a requirements text or in a package JSON, that tells us there's value there. If you think on the model of like, all right, Richard, you go to your bakery in Montpelier there and you buy your coffee and your scone. It's like, you're not paying the directly the coffee farmer who grew the beans. Like they have their upstream, right? So like you give them a few bucks for the coffee and scone and it's sort of up to them to decide how they're going to, you know, like we're mixing models here, right? But like redistribute or distribute that to their upstream. Yeah, no, I really like it. It, it makes me think directly about the PSF initially. So the PSF okay. has a whole stable of projects which they work on yeah, and they yeah. help massage okay. to make sure they're really good and make sure the code of conics are in place, make sure that they're funded, make sure they're sustainable, make sure that they have a place where they can talk to people at PyCon, yeah. which is great. At the same time, I think if you ask the PSF, mm-hmm. are you comfortable being responsible for the entirety of your ecosystem? They would scream in horror and run the other direction. So we did half the PSF to the foundations, yep. and then we did about 35%. The dust still has to settle on this. I'm trying to figure out how specific to be here. We'll see what the numbers actually end up when, when we ship this podcast. We're looking at those first level dependencies. So we came up with about, I think it's 98 projects. So I did this analysis. So to get a little geeky here, like, so what I did is, yeah, we have 200 plus repos, but there's about 20-ish of them that are kind of our main repos that we actually do things like track this triage time and pay a little more attention to those repos. Use that set of repos and wrote some scripts that just, you know, literally like clone 20 repos. And then we looked at our three main ecosystems or Python, JavaScript, and Rust. So just wrote some janky regex parsers and whatnot. Well, yeah, d- different things for different ecosystems, but basically parsed out requirements text, package JSON, cargo toml, parse those out and looked at that first level of dependencies. And then use the GitHub, you know, like, and then use for each of those ecosystems, dereference the GitHub repo for each package. And then for each GitHub repo, use the GitHub API to find the funding links. So I don't think it's in the REST API, but in the GraphQL API on GitHub, you can get the funding links, which are just links. So this isn't just GitHub sponsors, this is open collect. Like, so we targeted GitHub sponsors and open collective, which we already have relationships with. So we basically said like, okay, so we're going to go through all the manifests in these three ecosystems in these, I think, 17 repos. And we're going to find the projects, the first level dependencies that have a GitHub repo that have funding links that link to GitHub sponsors or open collective. And that generated back your stack. Yeah. Yeah. I came up with back your stack and I gave it to Pia on a phone call in October of 20. Oh, 17. I didn't know Did that. Did not know that. 
Okay. That was what we were going to launch. That was what I was trying to relaunch. It was like one of the ideas to relaunch Gratipay in the fall of 2020. We called it back the stack. If I remember right, back the stack. So I had back the stack.com and we were going to relaunch with that. And it was like, you know what? So I gave Pia a call. I was like, Hey Pia, here's an idea for you. And then back your stack cool. showed up like the next year. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Same kind of dependency analysis stuff. I looked at back your stack and then GitHub sponsors does some of this too. But I mean, this is open source, right? It's like, it was close, but not quite what we wanted. And who doesn't love writing some janky bash now and then before I knew it, I had a little thing. And so we have this page, we'll link to this. So you can go see it's public on the internet. Here's a pre-spotlight. This should be my spotlight. Raw.gethack.com. Is that what it is? We know about this. You can find it through the link. So we have a list. You can see this nice list of our dependencies. And then what we did, this is another thing I want to get to. We took that list. So we said, okay, here's our ecosystems. Here's our hundred projects within those ecosystems that are our first level dependency. So getting back to your point, Richard, about like not necessarily putting all the burden on PSF. We'd like to put some of the burden on PSF to distribute the funds like we were talking about with the coffee. But recognizing like, hey, if we've got PsychoPG2 in our requirements.txt, let's go ahead and give... PsychoPG, you know, give Danielle some, some money. So we wanted to involve our engineers because part of this is like open source is part of Century's company culture. We want our employees to realize this, to understand what this means and to participate in this. So we ran this two week internal campaign to be like, okay, engineers, okay. You know, whole company, here's a Google form. Here's a list of our dependencies. You tell us what matters most to you. Okay. We wanted to get that input from our engineers and give them that, that agency in it. And it was great. You know, so we got a bunch of input. We also said, if there's other projects that we're missing, you know, because there's a lot of stuff that doesn't show up in your manifest too. homebrew. Think about like brew leaf, I think shows you your first level dependencies Brew leaves, maybe the T metaphor. Yeah. So we wanted to engage kind of internally to make sure that we covered all our bases. And then we use that to kind of come up with our final distribution kind of waiting. Like that was one of the inputs. Yeah, for coming with that final distribution. So we distributed on about $150,000 to a little over 100 projects. So like 150000 that's like yeah. very generous. Is this first of many or is it just a one-time thing? So the beginning of 2020, Dwayne O'Brien from Indeed contacted presumably Kramer, somebody at Century, this is before my time, and said, hey, Indeed Engineering really appreciates Century as an open source project. And we have selected you as one of the recipients for a $10,000 grant as part of our FOSS contributor fund. So that was weird because here we are, a growing startup. And then we have Indeed come to us and be like, we want to give you a grant as an open source project. <laughs> we were like, okay, that's funny. So what we did is, you know, we said, thank you. That's awesome. Let's match that and turn around and re-gift it. So I think it's February, 2020. Again, before my time, we had... This distribution of $20,000, we split it, I think, between five projects in the Rust and Python ecosystems. And as part of that, David Kramer put it out there. He said, and we're going to give $100,000 this year. So he kind of upped the ante and said, thank you indeed. Let's re-gift this. And yeah, let's step up to the plate. We want to participate in this. Because you know, really, like zooming out, the wider picture, the thing that we're talking about, like one of the big themes, obviously, of sustain is like, companies need to fund open source, right? Like companies, like we need to figure out how to have companies fund open source because companies are the ones that benefit from it. Companies are the ones that have the money. We just need to figure out the mechanics. Honestly, a a ton of it is just like figuring out 
there's two main parts to it. One is figuring out the leadership has to understand why it's important and commit to it. But then the second thing is just like cramming the square peg into the round hole of like corporate finance department. You know, like what do you put on the invoice? Like how do you line it up with what the finance team needs to do their job? So fortunately, companies are starting to figure this out. Dwayne at Indeed is figuring this out. FOSS Fund, I know, I believe Microsoft has a version of the FOSS Fund now. Salesforce has a version of this. So we're thinking of this. That All right. And so then that 2020, that was kind of our last blip on the funding radar. So it, it, like in terms of something we announced, we've been giving all along. Like I said, longtime supporters of Python, Django. We had this, yeah, this interesting story with Indeed last year. Yeah. And so then I showed up at the end of last year and Kramer was like, hey, Whitaker, give $100,000 to open source projects. And I was like, okay, is that part of my 30 day? Like, so now we're here, you know, because it takes work to do it right. We wanted to do it right. We wanted to think, how much should we give? Is a hundred thousand the right amount to give? Like, how do we think about who to give it to? You know, so all these things that we talked about, like looking at the foundations, looking at the projects, looking at the dependency analysis, all this stuff, engaging internally with other, you know, with century stakeholders, this kind of thing. So no, we're not seeing this as a one-time thing. This is part of a, a story that's been ongoing and sort of the way we're thinking of this is kind of a, an annual iteration for us. One of the things I want to get to is the amount, 150,000, how we got there and how we're thinking about it. Century has less than 200 people and we have approximately 75 engineers. So how we're looking at this is $150,000 is $2,000 per engineer on staff at Century for the open source software that Century engineers use to do their job. So I don't think Kramer was thinking of this with the $100,000 out there. I don't know actually where he pulled that number from, you know, last year. But when we sat down and looked at it, I guess, let's tie this together. Another blog post I wrote at the end of Git Dip in 2017, at the end of Gratipay, was this blog post. If your company cares about open source, $2,000 a year per engineer is probably about yeah, the right ballpark. I remember that. Yeah. And then, well, so here's a fun story. That ended up on Hacker News last month randomly, just like serendipitously, <laughs> somebody dredged it up from four years ago, posted it on Hacker News. So like the first time in four years, you know, that I've thought about Hacker News, because like, Justin, I think you- Didn't I send here. you the link? Yeah, yeah. Like, you were like, you what were like, weird timing. Let's check this out. Yeah. So we actually do link to that in our announcement, that blog post, because it just lined up, you know, it's like Kramer was sort of ballparking hundred thousand and we landed on 150 here. We kind of looked at it internally and then it, yeah, it just, it happened to line up that it's like, well, here's this $2,000 figure that's out there. We, so we checked crazy. it a few different ways, but yeah, man. So I think one of the, you know, we'll see. I think that's an interesting talking point. It's like, what is the right amount? Maybe $2,000 is too much. Maybe it's not enough. I don't know, but it's like, it's something, right? Like it, it it's at least more than most companies are doing that profit off of I mean, source. Uh, 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 is it? I don't know. Like, do we have, does anybody else tell us, you know, like, yeah, because, true. you know, because I don't want to presume to know how much Google gives to whatever foundations, you know, like I'm every, not talking about Google. I'm talking about like small, medium sized businesses yeah. that don't pay licensing fees anymore. For, well, and, yeah. and, but, but look, part of the message here is like, we got to keep it positive. Sentry's out here. We're trying to do what we think is best for ourselves. Right. It's like, because this is enlightened self-interest at the end of the day, because we want all these open source projects to still exist, right? It's like, yep. we're going to keep building on these. It is enlightened self-interest. This isn't pure charity. And there are other people out there doing this. And there is a lot of momentum. Like it, it takes time to change systems, right? So like, let's keep it positive. Let's kind of talk about this stuff together and compare notes and keep doing more of it. I think uh, 
What I'm going to challenge the listeners to do, I have not done this before, but why not, is I'm going to have Justin Dorfman open a thread on the sustained discourse wow. saying what is the right amount to donate for each company. And so if you're interested in talking about what is the right amount, go to sustainoss.org, go to the discourse, and you will be able to weigh in there and discuss further. That is also another way in which I am putting a cap on this conversation, because unfortunately, we are running up on time. Chad, it is awesome to talk to you. It is so amazing to just hear you here and hear all the stuff you're doing. I'm glad you brought up Dwayne. I'm glad you mentioned enlightened self-interest, which is like Denise Cooper's thing, because I also see you as one of the cornerstones of what it means to think about sustainability in the long term. Um, when I think of Dwayne O'Brien, I often think of authentic participation in open source, which is one of the working groups he used to run at Sustain. It's wound yeah, down. Yeah. If anyone's interested, please join in. But authentic participation for me is about actually having people who really care. And you have gone through burnout back out the other side. Uh, very, very excited to be able to have you here and to hear your words of wisdom today. And he's blushing again. I can't even see red. And <laughs> it's I true. Tell everyone. It's true. Um, thank yeah. you so much. Before we let you go, we have a couple things. One of them, where can people find your amazing blog posts? Hopefully without going on Hacker News four years later. Blog.century.io. Probably when this hits, it'll be out there on the homepage. Blog.century.io is the Century blog. Are you also a Twitter fiend? I know you talk to Justin a lot, so I'm just... Yeah, I mean, Century's Twitter is Get Century. Century's uh, GitHub is Get Century. My Twitter's Chad Whitaker underscore. That's a whole other story. Chad Whitaker underscore. That's W-H-I-T-A-C-R-E. That's like Whitaker. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so excited to have the conversation continue. Please come join us on sustainoss.org. Oh, listeners. And now is that other part of the show where we do spotlights. This is where we highlight people, open source projects, companies, people like Chad, who you just want to say they've done really awesome work or they help make my life easier today because as panelists, we've done this a thousand times. And so we had to extend to like other things. So Justin Dorfman, what is your spotlight today? So I was walking my dog with my wife and there was this very bright star and she goes, what is that? I was like, let me install something called SkyMap. It's an Android app. And I looked at it and I was like, it's Venus. She's like, oh, cool. So SkyMap for Android, it's nothing new. If you ever see a star, and it's very bright, you can just use it to say, oh, it's this. I have also used that. Highly recommend. Also for Venus, everyone seems to be curious about what Venus is. Eric Berry, what's your spotlight? So I really love the attention to detail in the artwork and design work that Century has applied in their blogs, on their website. It's just next level quality and the artwork all looks original and i know that it's not open source related necessarily but those designers and creative geniuses i applaud them because it's just really incredible so when you do go to get century which you should and you do go to their blog which you should take note of the artwork because it is incredible and I think if I can give some credit, and maybe Chad, you can help me. It looks like the team is run by Cameron McAfee, who is also one of the original designers of the OctoCat. It's true. I was going to say shout out to Cameron and the creative oh. team this century, for sure. Awesome. 
more like starlight than spotlight. <laughs> Should have made that pun last time. Sorry, I missed it, but it works here too. Spotlight today is timeanddate.com. I use timeanddate.com all the time because I'm always curious when civil, nautical, and astronomical twilight ends and starts, mostly because I happen to record birds that fly over my house as they're migrating overnight, and I need to know when night actually starts. And so timeanddate.com is one of the easiest ways for me to have a chart that tells me wherever I am in the world, astronomical twilight ends and begins. Weird use case. I wish I had a better API. If anyone has any code out there that can help you automatically start recording from a microphone using astronomical twilight, let me know because I haven't tried writing it and it's kind of scary. But timeanddate.com is amazing for manually doing that work. Chad, what is yours? Yeah. So the timing on this is, is pretty interesting. I picked this before the Twitch hack yesterday or whenever it was, the day before, as we record. Maybe it'll have faded by the time this hits. One of the folks that worked on GitTip with me has gone on to found a company called Glimish, G L I M E S H dot TV. It is a next generation streaming platform. It is open source, it is an open company. It's super cool. And yeah, that's what I'd like to, to spotlight. Glimish.tv. Thank you so much. Chad, it's been great having you on. Sorry for making you blush so much. You're welcome on whenever you want. Good luck with Century. Keep Thank it going. You. I'm looking forward Thank to $150,000 a week to developers. That's such an amazing thing you're doing there. It's the best. <laughs> $150,000 a week. Yeah, we'll get there. Give us a couple of years. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>